I'm Evelyn and I'm a geoholic. This is Dr. Nick Smolowski with the Geoholics. I am sitting in Dusen in the Netherlands in the beautiful, beautiful landscape of uh, Holland. I am here with my colleague and counterpart, uh, Larry Fox. Hey, Larry, you want to say hi quick? Hi, quick. Hi, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we know, we know, we've learned pretty quickly in the last uh, seven days here in the Netherlands that sarcasm goes a long way. Uh, I'm also here with my two good friends, uh, Ray and Hanno. Want to say uh, hi? Hey, Nick. Yeah. Hi, Nick. How are you? Doing great, guys. It's good to be with you again. And if you are new to the Geoholics, you maybe you've not uh, heard of Athlos and the Survey Wizard, but Hanno and Ray are, I believe this is the third time you guys have been on the podcast. I've been here for a third time. Hanno's will be a second, right? Yes, the second. Yeah, third time. So I'll be like a veteran on the Geoholics podcast. That's how you look like. <laughs> Don't let the gray hair fool you. I'm just glad we got Hanno out of the basement for the programming. Yeah, and, uh, better. Yeah, just cut him out. You promised me booze, so. Yeah. Oh, so, I mean, maybe that's the best part to start with the Geoholics. Uh, Hanno's poured some tea into these cups for us, uh, and it's called the Godfather. Hanno, why are we the Godfather? Uh, we love Godfather because it gives you inspiration. So, and that's how Amgloss. Sorry. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So, and I believe we're drinking it's like, what, amaretto and whiskey. Yeah, amaretto and, and whiskey. And this, I think, guys, is why, uh, you know, Bad Elf and, and the Aplos have been so good because we got started uh, on drinking as well, but uh, we were drinking beer, so maybe not such, uh, you know, <laughs> we didn't need as much inspiration. Now, uh, so we're doing a special episode today, live, obviously, from the Netherlands. Uh, usually, we are recording out of Phoenix, Arizona. You know, I'm in D2 Studios in Texas. Uh, but we had the fortunate opportunity to come over um, as Bad Elf and as Geoholics uh, to come for approximately a 10 day trip to the Netherlands, uh, not only to meet with our friends here uh, around the table, uh, but also to meet in The Hague for a uh, WGIC meeting, which is the World Geographic uh, in Industry Council. And um, we'll talk a little bit about that today. Also, uh, we had the fortunate uh, opportunity to go to the Geospatial World Forum in Rotterdam. And, uh, and that is where we got to do a little bit of um, expo work with our, with our wizards here. And so we're gonna talk a little bit about what was happening geospatially over the last week in the Netherlands. Uh, we're gonna briefly touch a little bit on the future of the European geospatial market and how that will uh, impact the rest of the world. Uh, talk slightly about some of the trends that we foresee, and particularly our friends at Aplos and their experience with they see in the next three to five years. We're pleased to announce a little bit of a strengthening partnership between uh, Bad Elf and Aplos. And then we'll, we'll end with a really fun conversation about everything Dutch, which includes, you know, wooden shoes, windmills, F1, uh, pancakes, uh, you know, uh, uh, Calvin, or you know, maybe these coffee shops <laughs> around, but I plead the fifth. We don't know what's happening. No, no. Yeah, uh, frites and mayo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
You guys get a lot of inspiration over here. No, I get it. Yeah. Yes, we are creative. We have lots of Dutch painters as well, as you know, like Van Gogh, Rembrandt, uh, Vermeer, and many more yeah. that I've got after my inspiration. Do you have a, you have a favorite? Huh? I love Rembrandt. Rembrandt. Yeah, when he paints, I mean, it's like a complete picture, you, like a photo. You don't, you don't like the ChatGPT uh, recreation of Rembrandt? No, not a Rembrandt. I like ChatGPT, but uh not the not the not the pictures so what, what yeah, about you? i agree the same as Hanno. well if you watch like the mondrian or something and i think i could do the same you know with the squares and the red and the yellow and i like the realistic painting and it's like so like the king of the painters which we had in the history True. Yeah, and, and speaking about paintings, I'm pretty sure we saw a painting a couple days ago that was worth more than everybody in this room plus the castle, and uh, we got we got to see a Monet, and so that was pretty cool, right? We see a Monet, yeah. I that was in sounds of sounds of sounds. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, we thought if if you guys were here, uh, we should do a, like a road trip on uh, let's see the really touristic parts of the of Holland. So we did actually a trip uh, a picture guys from from Rotterdam. At the hotel, of course, and then uh, we drove all the way to Zandvoort, which is near the beach. And we went to the Formula One circuit, which in September. Yeah, uh, we saw the race yesterday, right? Uh, so he did an amazing job. You know, he got like somewhere above all the other drivers and, and uh, absolutely showed what he is really worth of. So uh, I'm very proud that he's a Dutch guy. And after Zandvoort, we went to Zaanse Schans. Most likely it will be hard <laughs> to promote pronounced for most listeners, but uh, that's where the windmills are. And it's really, really touristic. And then we went inside the Museum of Science and Science. And there, you can find Come on, eh? Pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, they didn't let Ray in uh, for all of our listeners because they were afraid he had some paint, rotten vegetables oh, yeah. inside his jacket. So yeah. we had to take the jacket off before we went in the room with the painting. Hanno said it was going to kill Yeah. <laughs> But then after that, you, you took us one more place and we got yeah. to put on some pretty cool outfits. Yeah, hopefully you should show that somewhere on LinkedIn or any social media because I really enjoy that. The, the picture is beautiful. You know, we I, we took you to Volendam. Yeah, you wore wooden shoes, right, Nate? I did. I, I, you I, enjoyed I, it? I had a picture with uh, some tees and some wooden shoes and a Heineken. I literally felt the most Dutch I could possibly. Yeah. yeah. Double Dutch, double no, no, no. All right. Well, um, so I'm going to start with you, Larry. We we came across the pond. Here we are. Um, obviously, we've been having a great time. Uh, we were invited to participate in the WGIC in The Hague, which, interestingly enough, we found that uh, the day after we left, uh, President Zelensky from Ukraine had come. So that's kind of interesting. But could you tell us a little bit about the WGIC, the organization, uh, what, what was kind of going on in The Hague and the mission? I want to tell the geopolitics out there in the world uh, a little bit about this fantastic organization. Yeah, it was actually really cool, Nick. Um, meeting with those folks was was great. It's an industry consortium, so it's it's a nonprofit. That's an industry consortium of all kinds of folks, very large companies, billion dollar companies, all the way down to much smaller companies who are looking to handle geospatial solutions throughout uh, the world. Some of it's DEI-based, uh, a lot of it's digital twin-based, but you know, fundamentally it's kind of aggregating some mind power, which 
there was quite a lot of mind power in that room uh, together to, you know, help the geospatial community. Uh, so in each of the events, people speak, share on specific topics. We had uh, the Council of Mayors there speaking, uh, looking for solutions. So it, it's definitely a group that I hope grows and matures even further as, as we build upon the community because it's a strong it's a strong geospatial cross section that really covers a lot of topics from satellites all the way down to you know basic data collection. So we're you know we're here in the Netherlands, but let's say for our uh, listeners around the world, in the United States, Australia, other parts, you know, how how could somebody get involved in this work? So if, uh, look up WGIC dot uh, org. I believe that's the URL, um, but you should be able to find it with a quick Google search and reach out to the folks there. They'll have more information about what it's like to partner with them, who are the members, how is it structured. There's actually quite a lot of white papers and, uh, and digital information about some of the studies that they've commissioned, which are actually very, very detailed. So these aren't you know just uh, two or three pages on here's something warm and fuzzy. It's, it's some real data. And so they've they've built up quite a quite an arsenal of really good information. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Was there anything particular, or did you have a, a favorite moment of the meeting? Was perhaps talking with somebody, or was there an initiative that really caught their eye? You mentioned EPI earlier, uh, Council of Mayors. Anything particular? So I'm a big fan of digital twin related stuff, um, and so just talking about the process of primary data collection and the rigor that you put behind it. I mean, come on, it's kind of near and dear to our heart. Uh, but it it is really a big movement as, as we're trying to manage infrastructure throughout uh, our aging world and growing world, um, knowing where stuff is in the ground and in space and all around us is, is not only essential, it, you know, we got to get away from paper, plain and simple. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, what about you guys? Do you see, see that at all? I mean, I have a little bit of a personal experience. I've worked in the telecommunications industry for some time, and there's still a lot of people doing design, you know, quote unquote, on the back of the napkin. You guys see that here in the European market, or maybe maybe you guys are a little further ahead than we are? Or? No, no, it's, I, uh, if I may speak, uh, it's still, still it happens here, you know. Uh, see a lot of municipalities or, uh, you know, some contractors or subcontractors. You know, uh, they have to do some um, uh, research, or they they you know place some new cables or whatever, or electricity cables, and get a bag of a piece of paper and draw it in and send it back to their you know contractors. But I don't. Yes, it's also still here. But that's why again, uh, you know, we're doing our best to to be out there and uh, and sell what we think they need. Actually, uh, that's a novel idea: selling what they need, not what you want. <laughs> not what I want. Yeah, that would be a great issue if, if what I want will help. But yeah, yeah, definitely we see that. That's great. So maybe this is a good way to segue into the Geospatial World Forum, the second event uh, that we were participating in. And uh, the guys from Close were there with us. Um, could you maybe talk a little bit, Larry, why don't you set us up? What's the Geospatial World Forum? And, uh, and you know, kind of set the stage of why we were here for those few days. Oh, we were here really because we like Rotterdam. 
you know, we wanted to see it, but <laughs> we, we needed some inspiration. So um, the Geospatial World Forum is actually held at the World Trade Center in Rotterdam, yep. which I thought was pretty cool when we got there. It's it's a you know, it's a very nice venue, but you know, outside of the venue, what it really is is uh, it's an international community of, of geospatial professionals. So now we're looking at a lot of nonprofits. We're looking at folks in the cadastral world. We're looking at satellite providers, imagery providers. It's it's a very wide spectrum of geospatial institutions, professions. You have all the big guys here who yep. are are normally at pretty much every uh, geospatial conference, but they you know they also have their own startup section. So really good to see people being creative and thinking about things that you know more mature businesses don't necessarily have the ability or time that's great yeah um i just echo that i think some of the things spoken about the geospatial world the forum was pretty neat they had a lot of like women in geospatial which i thought was uh pretty fantastic i really liked the fact that we got this we mentioned startups but these newer business organizations uh, establishing themselves from around the world, South Africa, Asia, Australia, uh, throughout, um, you know, obviously Europe, but in the Americas. So that was that was pretty cool to see. So what about from y'all's perspective um, from the European side? Um, Geospatial World Forum is not the oldest conference around these parts, but what did you guys think? Anna? Um, I was there one day and I really enjoyed being there, um, meeting new people, uh, talking about uh, the digital world, uh, and just just enjoying enjoying my day out of the castle, which is very nice. Um, of course, it was nice to be with Larry and Unic um, and enjoying being together. Great, yeah. I, we talk at the Geoholics that our motto is you know making friends and adding value. And uh, I, I will just echo that sentiment that it was nice to hang out for several days. You can do a business meeting, you can do a Zoom meeting, but rubbing shoulders, having some beers, uh, you know, having having some real life time together. It, 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 I totally agree. Uh, I enjoyed uh, the exhibition as well, but mostly uh, it was for you guys, you know, uh, getting to know each other. We've known each other for quite a while, but, you know, being in first, you know, I try as the meaning right and now uh actually in the place right yeah dreaming of but you're actually in the place now i can't say geoholics out there if you get the video recording of this we are sitting in a room in a 700 year old castle yeah. doing business meetings i can't say that i've ever been in a place like this uh i walked past a coat of arms uh and yeah. a place where a, a german soldier was killed out there during true. world war ii yeah true cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, so we had talked about at the conference how small the geospatial world is. And sometimes I often will say never burn a bridge in the GIS land surveying world because we all know each other, which was neat. But to be able to see you, Hanno and Ray, uh, know people in the room, whether it was like Media or yep. you know, places like Septentrio or Leica, yep. maybe talk a little bit about while the geospatial market is so big, but maybe how it's also so small. And if you were to give some advice to a younger person getting into 
the geospatial market, how would you explain to them that maybe never burn a bridge, never, just be careful, you know? Yes. Well, yeah, well, my experience, you know, uh, we started doing this in 2011, and then uh, it's, it's all about, you know, at first, at least what you know, and then a little bit more what you can do. It's also important, of course, but that that's, that's every single, it doesn't matter if I'm going to go to the Intergeo, if I went to the Con Expo or to the GeoBuzz in London, every time I'm seeing the single same faces again. So you have what we call the, uh, the, the exhibition tigers, you call it different, right? The guys and, 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 and girls and, and women are on, on, on actually on what I'm saying in the front, you know? We have we are the sales representative. We we want to share the knowledge on, on and, and try of course to to, to sell and, and, and expose what we do. Yeah, that's that, that's uh, no, don't throw away any any knowledge or anybody you met in your life. Which if you want to become somebody or be somebody in the NS world or or land surveying and uh, yeah, yeah, that's what can I add to that. So you, I know a little bit about your personal story, um, and, and you worked at an engineering firm, and then you worked at the United Nations, mm -hmm. and you traveled the world. Uh, and I, I think in the previous podcast, you might have spoken to this a little bit, but in lieu of this never burning a bridge and, and, and always staying in contact with the geofish world, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your personal story and how you went from engineering to yeah, sure. Well, uh, once uh, Hanno and myself had the engineering company and the construction company, uh, we encountered in 2011 that we wanted to purchase uh, a GPS or GNS system. And uh, after inviting anybody, I could think of any brand. And after two days, I thought, and he said the same, you know, it, the software is a little bit too complex for, you know, we have to do training. And I didn't want to purchase anything, you know, 25,000 euros and then set it on my desk and think, okay, that looks really nice light. How difficult could it be? So we started up a student project and uh, again, and that's what I told you, never burn any leads whatsoever because still some of the students, we still do speak. And uh, then, you know, we, we just wanted one thing. That's that's the main sentence. Everything you survey, you just give it a name and the layer manager uh, option we have in the software. And that's it. And after a while, you know, uh, our, our uh, some municipalities, some contracts, the retail market, you know, asked us, you know, can we have that same app on our phone or our tablet or whatsoever? And well, if you have your own RTK network and GNS, you can do. So that was the story. And then in 2017, uh, me and Hanno had a project in, uh, in Barcelona. And after some uh, godfathers, not godfathers, it was beers, <laughs> where we started in the same level as you. You started a lot of beers. And Hanno said, you know, what do you want to do in your life? I said, well, you know, I said, it, it gives me a little bit of burning, you know, with all the stuff. And then I said, let's, let's just do this. And then on Monday, we came back. and. We got rid of everything and then uh, we got a castle and uh, we just did this and well, it, it proceeded us very, very well, actually. And you obviously, you were able to weather the COVID uh, nightmare and lockdowns yeah. and yeah. now you guys are, I mean, similarly, we had to get through COVID uh, as the geoholics and that out, but you know, you guys are now confronted with something else. I mean, there's conflict 
in 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 Europe today, yeah. and, and but you're you you're, you're uh, rolling with the punches and able to keep keep it together, yeah. yeah. It was even in that period we didn't encounter any much of uh, issues whatsoever. Uh, we did alter some stuff. We did the YouTube channel uh, on the side. Yeah, which by the way, uh, shameless plug for these guys. If you like a funny YouTube, uh, you, you need to check out uh, the Aplos YouTube channel. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, we wanted to do something else. You know, we just, we, you know, if you watch the YouTube uh, channel, you know, we build uh, GPS receivers from Lego. Uh, we did the biggest uh, radio receiver we could find and see if we still get a signal from the satellites once we're in the woods, uh, stuff like that. We also explain in a very basic way, you know, how it functions, uh, how to, you know, connect whatever you want. That's what we actually did on the YouTube channel. And, uh, yeah, having a, a lot of fun and... And, you know, finally, you know, getting a little bit too basic, same, similar as you guys, you know, and once the wizard pounds the elf, then... Yeah, and then, and then, yeah, then J.R.R. Tolkien writes a book about it, he stole our idea. <laughs> 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 Larry, Larry, you've been in this geospatial industry, gosh, I, I believe 25, 30 years now. Any suggestions from your point of view on, you know, just breaking into the industry, networking, not burning a bridge, any insight? So, so the thing that comes to my mind that I find incredibly neat about going out of the country is getting worldview. And what I mean by that is you're new to the industry, you see a lot of things, and you're surrounded by a lot of people who think exactly like you. And then you go into another country and you meet people from different continents and different zones who have all kinds of different views on life. And you start realizing that there's other ways to solve problems. There's other ways that people live. And what's important to you is not necessarily so important to somebody else. And so I'll get back to that statement, worldview. If you really want to expand your geospatial chops, get a good, healthy dose of worldview. Get around people that are way different than you because that's how you really That's great, yeah. Um, I can echo that as well, being in the Netherlands. You know, just for these last few days, um, we've had some experiences where I just feel right away part of the family. You know, it, it's very similar, almost to the point where we're echoing the same things. Larry and I went yesterday, we were around some people, about 30 people, and it, it just felt like home almost immediately. You guys, we had such similar things, but. But then there's the other part where, you know, um, a different view. I, I, the other day I was sitting at the bar after the long day and I'm talking to the bartender and I put this, you can find this on the internet now, but talking to the bartender in the Netherlands and this freaking guy, he knows more about projections and Mercator than most college educated people in the United States. You know, and, and he had some very different views on some of the, the world politics things. I don't need to talk about that, but it was just refreshing. To, to be able to talk to somebody so random and they have such a different view and such knowledge base. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely neat seeing things from a little bit of a perspective. Um, one of the things uh, we talk about in business uh, is purpose. And I think throughout everybody's sort of, you know, experience around the table, we've all been in some good partnerships and maybe some not. 
And so, uh, I guess I'd open it up to anybody. Um, any any thoughts on what makes a good partnership in the geospatial industry and what makes a not so good partnership? I mean, a good partnership is, is based on trust. If you can trust each other, then it's completely going to be screwed up. And that is from the beginning to the end. And if there is no end, I mean, then it's a good partnership. Uh, but on every day, something can happen uh, that can uh, blow up the trust, and then, then it will be a bad partnership. Yeah, look, yeah, what Hanno says, you know, if, if you get in conflict or in the beginning, you know, Hanno and myself, we feel that we need a click with our partners, at least, you know, or at least meet in what we're doing now, you know, and have some food and talk also a little bit different. You know, there's always something behind somebody. And, and um, if there's a good vibe on that, it will happen 10 times better. Eh? And otherwise, if you don't have a good partner and, and, you know, a lot of money is involved and somewhere down the process, something goes wrong, it, it will be a burden, it will be a headache. And once you come into that, you know, uh, line, it's it, doing business is not, not fun anymore. And it's your daily job. You have to do it for a long time. At least I, I do Years to come to to uh, to still uh, work. Just better have fun and 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 on in 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 a trustworthy and uh, setting than uh, in not. My opinion. One of the things that they had said at the WGIC meeting earlier in the week, uh, they did talk about partnership. They one of the speakers had mentioned that the geospatial world is so big. There's so much opportunity in all of the industries. It would be nearly impossible uh, for any one company to supply all the solutions to, 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 to solve the world's problems. <laughs> Maybe, all right, Ray, Ray thinks he, Ray's going to solve the world's problems. And, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, Ray is selling the world's problems solution. <laughs> <laughs> the best who fix it is me. So. <laughs> That's it. I'm just doing it. He's a thinker. If I want to sell it, he has to make it. That's it. Good cop, bad hound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good cop, bad animal. I need more Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, you have these partnerships potentially between these different companies. And I, I, I think about the world of like drones and LIDAR and uh, space observation satellites and all these new technologies that are coming online that are doing certain things. But maybe we could talk as a group a little bit about how these partnerships, even not just between you know the vendor or the geospatial provider and the end client, but maybe how within the community how we can partner with each other to actually offer more robust solutions. Any thoughts about that? More partnerships, maybe? Or sure. So I'm I'm gonna echo Anna's statement. Partnerships start with trust. If you don't have a trustworthy partner, you're you're just shopping for a new partner until you know that partnership. So it's like with your wife. I mean, yes. if you don't trust your wife, then <laughs> you're buying a new wife. That could happen. That's but you know what? Partnerships, so there's a couple aspects. There's what can each bring to the table um, that makes the sum greater than the parts? Um, but by the same token, it's how are they willing to work with each other? Because I'm going to echo his statement again. Partnerships are kind of like a mini marriage. Um, and you better learn to work with that other person. Yep. 
you know, as long as you're trusting that person, you know, in all seriousness, it can't be a win-lose situation between partners. No. Because that, that just makes things adversary. You, you really need to find ways that both of you are compromising a little bit, but both of you are winning. And in the sense of winning is doing this relationship with another entity, whatever it is, is expanding your business and creating an opportunity that you wouldn't have had before. And if you're not achieving that, then you're in a bad partner. Wow. Yeah, I, I find it really good state. And you will strengthen it. Well, you know, becoming a partner makes you know, your, 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 your area of expertise, you know, the expertise both parties will have. For example, with us guys, you will extend, you will, you will be stronger, you know, the, the, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think you can have relationships and partnerships. I think there's different levels, you know. Um, but for a true partnership to really work, it seems like there has to be synergy above the individual. It has to be that there's the greater goal to push for. Um, but I would agree with that. Um, so we're talking partnerships. We're talking geospatial forum. Uh, this large geospatial market. Uh, we name drop uh, Keith Maspec's name several times throughout the years on this conference. Keith was at the uh, Geospatial World Forum and we got to say hi to Keith. Um, and if you have not listened to that Geoholics podcast episode, I definitely recommend it. But Keith mentioned that we are in a geospatial moment that never before has technology been so pervasive and in our hands uh, like never before. And one of the things you had been talking about over the last week, Ray, was the non-traditional people going out and doing math, doing things that uh, maybe in the past would only have been a land surveyor or somebody specialized in geomatic or a GIS professional. Talk a little bit about this growing geospatial moment and how in some ways, it's democratized to the point where the person that owns the flower shop or the person that's trying to make a playground or all these people are now having the access to this type of technology. Maybe you talk a little bit about the pervasiveness. Yeah, access. That's that's that's, that's the main main thing. That's the main word. Because in the, in our developments, we are wanted. What I told you earlier in the podcast is that uh, we came from far away and, and we wanted to give our own staff something that they could use and without any of less knowledge on how GNS and GPS survey and actually works. So what we actually see, if we look at our customers here uh, within uh, within uh, Netherlands, Belgium, uh, uh, Luxembourg and, and, and Germany, uh, we find we have... Uh, theater companies, uh, 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 people from the bakery who wants to rent our, our software just to find out where the fence is with their neighbors uh, from from uh, small uh, uh, construction companies until uh, gardeners, uh, from uh, pavement guys, from and, any, and anybody, it's, it's becoming accessible. And the reason for that is what I told you before, you know, getting a land surveyor now, it, Somewhere, I don't know, you know, that, that's why we also teach schools. You do it, but I do the same. I'll try to get the youth a little bit more interested in also becoming a land surveyor, but really, really quite difficult. That's why we built something which is, which is accessible other than a land surveyor. But in the end, you know, you have still big jobs that need a land surveyor. 
but for the smaller things, what we talked about, you know, just putting with a pen, you know, this is where the lines run and give it back. You now they just click on and click off. And you now, even if you have a device that runs on Android or even on iOS, really, really accessible. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, recently, uh, Ashlos has produced, which I believe is one of the only iOS uh, survey centric takeout type of apps. Yeah. Um, can you talk about maybe in the start, like why you made the decision to say break away from just the Android and even maybe Windows to say Apple? Yeah, the first reason was that uh, Ray was bothering me all the time that he, <laughs> that he wanted an iOS, uh, iOS uh, version of the uh, Apple Survey Wizard. Um, as maybe you know, uh, Ray has an iPhone, um, which our app before didn't work on. So he wanted to be able to show on birthday parties, then uh, I don't know what he goes to. He wanted to show his app <laughs> because it's his work. Um, so yeah, we decided to build the iOS uh, version of Aptos Survey Wizard, um, and that's the the main reason. Um, but of course, besides Android users, there are also lots of uh, people that are using uh, Apple, and it's very nice to to also include those people in the geospatial world. Um, but then there is only one issue, and that is connectivity with the DNS receiver. Uh, for example, your bad elf Plex uh, works with uh, iOS uh, through Bluetooth, but besides that, there are not many GNS receivers that have that connection with Apple. That's interesting. Um, I know you you are oh, sorry, right? But the brains behind. I know, research. I know. I knew I, the only thing I can do is talk. That's it. I, there, there's no more capacity inside. I can talk. So the Dungeons and Dragons character here is he's got the intelligence, he's got the charisma. Oh yeah. <laughs> but Hanno, we have lots of people that are geoholics listeners that are programmers. They're 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 front of, you know, they're they're developing apps, whether it's you know with Swift and iOS or they're using Python to to you know uh, script things. We know that artificial intelligence machine learning is a big topic. So I ask you for people that are interested in, in geomatics, but also inside the programming world. Do you have any recommendations for young people, places to study or go to, or any wise words from the wizard? Any wise words from the wizard? I never got any study in like uh, programming developing apps. Um, I only had interest in developing apps. That makes it the first step to start learning more and more. And when you saw our first app of first version of Ambrose Bay Wizard, it didn't look like this. It was not even named like this. Um, it looked like, uh, what shall I say? It looked like a drawing of a three-year-old. Um, now it looks a bit different, um, but everything what we did, we could find on, on the internet just by, by checking. And of course, now we also uh, chat GPT, uh, which, which helps as well. Uh, of course, it doesn't provide complete solutions, but it can give you ideas of how you can come to the end solution. Really interesting. You said you didn't get into programming initially. You fell into programming because you wanted to do it. And I think that's the key, the passion behind so many of the geospatial professionals that I meet. We really actually like what we and I agree, we need to excite 
the younger generations about land surveying because I think the average age across the globe is getting pretty high. Yeah. Um, but you hit it on the mark. Like you got excited and you went and took it into your own hands to learn this. I've often told students uh, or people that are trying to get a job in their interview, for example, a lot of times they get afraid that they don't know something and they don't have a technical skill that maybe the job may require. And I would convince them or, or try to challenge them try to apply for the job regardless because you can always learn the skill. You can't necessarily learn how to be interested or have aptitude or fortitude or have communication stops, but, but we can teach you the hard skill, like that technical skill. So I just love the fact that you said you just learned it. You just went out and did it. And I would tell the same to students people trying to get a job. You know, if there's something on that job, if you don't know uh, AutoCAD, go home and learn AutoCAD. You, you can do it. YouTube University. It's, it's easy these days. It's not like 20 years ago where you had to go to a long-term four-year university to, to learn this. There's resources everywhere. And one of the things that I'm most impressed about the Athlos products are y'all's videos for training, uh, the tutorials, and the help uh, that you show inside the app. Maybe we could segue a little bit, talk to me about how you all have maybe changed the game a little bit um, and, and really led with education and videos, with, you know, new people. Uh, yeah, um, uh, let me tell you something. My first sale was about uh, 12 years ago or something. You know how difficult it was for me to tell something what I didn't really know anything about. You know, I know a lot about civil engineering. Ask me anything about sewerage. But, but you know, selling... Uh, GPS system, huge challenge. And then, you know, when we progressed, Anatoly, you know, the first edition of the survey wizard app lost it. But I sold it. Even that I sold because of the simplicity and, and, and the fact that you cannot any do actually anything wrong within a software other other settings and and building something that you're in the United States, but you're saying the coordinate system will be to Holland. That will mess it up, but again, you cannot do anything wrong with the software. And uh, and what I encountered is a lot of people out there are you know that that are buying our software or our equipment or the the, the, or the, the total package, especially the total package, um, is that um, uh, the the easiness. You know, I cannot do anything wrong. It is okay. Let me just try it. You know, and I need a lens pay, but it takes me three weeks before this guy comes, but I need it now. Otherwise, I don't get paid because there are a lot of companies there, you know, especially utility companies that are, you know, the, the contractors for that. They only get paid once, you know, they have the, the you know, everything they have done being surveyed and then they get paid. But if you can do it on the spot and send it immediately from the spot, immediately to your, to your, to the, uh, Engineer to your engineer, and then automatically get paid. That, that's that is what I'm seeing now. What's happening? That's great. Um, to that degree, you know, any trends you think that are kind of at least in the terrestrial side of geospatial? What are I would, trends? I, I, just, I think I strongly believe that, that the iOS version, which we have now, there's nothing there, you know, it's just an iOS app. That's that's for us, that's a trend. Sounds a little bit because normal, and when you get the traditional, it will all be like uh, Windows, right? Windows handhelds with all the buttons. And now you just bring actually tablets. 
I, uh, an iPad or an, uh, an Android tablet or your phone. That, that, that's, that, that's already a trend ongoing. And I think in the end, maybe some combination, but I have to talk to Hanno, it will take some time. <laughs> then I think that even uh, some lighter function within the iPad can maybe recognize what you're actually starting surveying. So it automatically generates layers. It generates layers. You can fill in the attributes and then we're the next step. I think that will be a trend in the future. Make it even easier. Okay, that's great. I like easy, um, you know, probably the big easy, I guess. Uh, Larry, how about from a hardware perspective? Any trends you see coming up in the next three to five years you tell people about? Well, I don't tell them about the things that I'd like to build, but, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, there's, Obviously, as we get to uh, uh, beyond visual line of sight, there's a lot of cool technologies that are going to come out of that, especially as the platforms become more viable, as LiDAR gets cheaper. Uh, I think we have a lot of work yet to do on big data because we're generating a lot of big data right now. And how that gets processed and analyzed, that that's, that's going to be challenging because we're going to get really good with some of these sensors, and we're going to produce gobs of data. We're going to have to figure out a way to process. But it's very intriguing where remote sensing is going. Um, you know, I kind of jumped on the uh, aerial lidar side of the fence, but terrestrial lidar, I see that as being very interesting. I see on the hardware side uh, some of the correction services that are coming out of Europe as being very, very interesting. I'm mm-hmm. Are you referring to the uh, the Galileo? The Galileo High High Accuracy Service. Uh, I think between the European nations, there's some work to be done right now to coalesce the standard a little bit better and and the supported libraries that are needed to actually have it do everything that it was going to do. It's announced earlier than I recall it supposedly uh, being ready, but that's intriguing. So some people are being very proactive. So in the next few years, that could be a very, very interesting solution. You know, the early the early results I see are promising, but it's it's got some improvement. But it, in my little world of GNSS, uh, I'm always watching for what's the next correction service, what's the new technology. You know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of talk about spoofing. Jamming, that, that, that's a big topic. The, the resiliency, so to speak. Yeah, the absolutely, the resiliency. And so there are a number of manufacturers out there that are that are working pretty hard and coming up with some robust situations because positional accuracy and authority of what you're recording are only as good as this little GPS is telling all the rest of the software. Yeah, fun fact, you mentioned that um, I was in a presentation at the Geospatial World Forum. They were talking about the same topic, resiliency. Um, and a, a woman put a advertisement on my chair, and it was talking about in France that if you're caught jamming or spoofing uh, a GPS signal, it's like a $30,000 euro, uh, euro fine. Yeah. So they've literally made it illegal yeah, yeah. to do this. And in the same presentation, they were talking about, of course, war and what's going on there. But 
little bit more surprised. It doesn't surprise me in a conflict zone. You've got the captain. What was more surprising to me was there were ships off of the coast of China, apparently, and they were disrupting planes landing into China. They bought had to talk about it. I'd never heard of anything like that. They were also talking about solar flares, you know, the natural events that could potentially knock all of this stuff out. So interesting you brought up uh, resiliency because I heard about it the other day. Um, I don't want to, we're not going to be talking too long today because we've got more fun things to do in the Netherlands. So I've got a couple more questions before we're going we're gonna to land this plane, so to speak. Uh, I would be remiss if I, we didn't talk about our artificial intelligence. We've mentioned that to Kihano in kind of joking manner. And over the last few days, you know, we've plugged in some one, uh, fun things in the and some different AI photo generators. But how, Hano, if you don't mind starting, we'll go around the table in the opposite direction. Uh, Hano, what do you think uh, is the implications of AI in the near term for the geospatial market? but also maybe a society or a soul. Um, I mean, you told uh, or asked Larry and, and Ray before about the future of uh, geospatial and, and stuff. And then, I mean, my, my mind wanders off sometimes. And then I thought, I mean, you can get like a robot out of a closet. Uh, ask ChatGPT to program the robot to, to survey things, like whatever. I mean, if if things are... are I mean, the possibilities are endless with ChatGPT. It only needs to learn, but it will, and it will go faster than than what we expect. Uh, the only thing is that you always need to have an idea uh, how creative is it, is uh, ChatGPT. Uh, there, are, I mean, when you ask uh, ChatGPT to write like uh, steel speech or uh, uh, steel uh, text, uh, of course it can do that. But the idea of that text. Did you hear that? Of course, the computer could do sales, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I think it's a program also after a while, right? Just learn it. It's yes, it. yes. So, the idea the idea is the most important thing. Um, and the question is uh, if Jet GPT can, uh, can make that or not. If it can, then we're screwed. Would you say, uh, this, would you say you're excited or scared? <laughs> or both? I, I'm not scared. I mean, uh, Ray and I already made some plans for, for the future, and yep. uh, we both will be in some inhabited islands. So, for sure, uh, Chat GPT won't be there. I could ask. Ask that GPT where it thinks you went. Oh. <laughs> Still, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. You know, I, I think there's... I mean, if, if you're all the time scared, then why you would leave? Amen. Amen. What do you think, Blair? So I have a completely different take. You know, this technology was going to happen. We've all seen it coming. But the way I look at it is, it's kind of like my assistant, who's actually a hell of a lot smarter than me. Thanks, Larry. I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> if, if if trained appropriately, and, and that's and that's the big key. That's the big key. Um, you know, there's a reason why we have warning labels on hammers because somebody's going to hit themselves in the head and wonder why did I do that. Um, there's also warnings and laws because somebody's going to take that hammer and do something wrong. I find 
it's so valuable and I could see so many good uses for it because here's the reality. We cannot possibly train any human to know the knowledge of the human existence. We can't. But you know what? For a computer, it's actually not all that hard. So when you think of the medical field and, and assisting us with diagnosis, you know, providing options that we might see because we're a little bit tired, image classification, uh, things that are extremely mundane that would be very, very hard for a human. Well, three seconds in one of those routines and it's going. But it's it's one of those things where you could either fear the technology or you can embrace it and understand that this is what it's going to do and this is the context that it's working. ChatGPT is responding with with things that should make you happy and feel like you've got an adequate response. It doesn't mean it's right. Okay, well, there's an issue with that. And so there isn't any integrity to the, the responses. But that's a demand that you have to place on the construct for use. You know, until we start getting a grasp as to, you know, taking this hammer or this chainsaw out and, and handing it to a, a three-year-old, well, you know, we're going to have some problems and we're going to have some growing pain. And, you know, eventually I think we'll get a handle on it, but yeah. Hey, we put a handle on the hammer. We did. And now we have a place to imprint the warning. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ray, what do you think? Oh, wow. I, I did. Those guys made a, quite a bit story for myself, but I think yeah, you should embrace it. But it has to learn a lot, and, and some controversial ideas are there, you know, you listen to the news and, and, and bad things you can do with it, but also good things. I'll just uh, I'll just wait a little bit longer and see what what how the development of yeah, GPT and artificial intelligence will go. Oh, and I don't know if you remember when Star Trek came on first on TV or Battlestar Galactica. You know, you saw these guys with these TVs and chatting to each other. It looks like oh my god, it will never happen. FaceTime, WhatsApp. I know we embraced everything. So. As long as Cat TPT looks like the red uh, Cylon with the red dress. Oh, yeah. Be with you. Be with you. But uh, yeah, that, 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 I think you should look at in this point of view. But it will go very fast. But I, don't, it, it, I think it may be even further than we all think. It discuss, can discuss, right? But it will help us. I agree. I, I'm interested in the fact that I think it has the potential to solve some of the biggest quagmires, the biggest oh, questions of humanity. Power, you know, if, what if it was able to solve fusion? So then we had endless amounts of power. It could solve global food shortages, supply chain issues. Yeah. It could solve uh, many, many things that cancer. What if it was able to solve cancer, right? So there's so many powerful things that I think it could do. You know, we joke about Cylon. You know, uh, I, I personally like Data from Star Trek the most. He was my okay. Yeah. <laughs> With his emotion chip, I actually had no problem. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I think I think in, I would agree. I think it's an exciting time. So one last kind of quick question for everybody. I know we all have a lot of experience and done a lot of great things and traveled the world. I want to hear on the fly, first thing to come to your head, what was the craziest geospatial story you can come up with with only one god? That's the inspiration and the what's a crazy story you would tell? 
something fun. Doesn't have to be necessarily about outflows. Something that made you who you are today. Something crazy. I once went to bed in the red light. You once surveyed in the red. You mean you were standing in front of a, or behind a car that was? Parked? No, I had this uh, GPS rod with the receiver on top. And then they had to uh, be there in the red light district too. For all of those people out there in the GPS <laughs> it doesn't, he doesn't understand what the red light district is. It's a district where you can uh, pay for your needs. Like GPS data. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you have to have a special permit? Uh, no, we didn't need any special permit. But uh, very quickly after me arriving there, there were very big, uh, big guys out. Got your job done and got out. Yeah, I got the. I didn't leave a deposit, but. <laughs> I, beep. <laughs> Remember for all the college uh, people out there, there's a parental advisory board. And, uh, and, uh, and so, what about you, Larry? Uh, do you have a crazy geospatial story? I don't know, but I thought about like 30 dad jokes that I could. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, you know. Actually, I, I was thinking of a conversation I had a couple of years ago with uh, a guy who understands geodesy far more than I do, and without naming names, um, I just remember having this discussion about geodetic control and the challenges that we have at least in, in the United States, of managing and maintaining that. And I seem to remember, and there was probably some beer involved, but I do seem to remember by the end of the conversation, going to myself, is it theoretically possible to measure anything at all? And I think I drove home after that. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, it was a platter, so it was easy to get home and... Uh... <laughs> I came home the next day after a deep breath and go, you know, this business that I'm in of measuring things with GPS actually does good, but it really, it really solidified the fact that, you know, when, when you really start looking at truly precisely measuring things on the earth, there's a lot of rigor involved. This is not simply you know, slap a GPS on a stick and read the numbers and move on your merry way. A lot of stuff happened. And I can go on and on about that, but I'm working on my dead. <laughs> right? Uh, I did some crazy sales. I cannot mention everything. It will be rated PG. It's not what I did to sell it, but I remember once and we sold it. I had to walk up a dike. Remember that one with, with the water? Running too, and then all the people out there around the Netherlands, it's uh, below sea level in a lot of ways. So they have dikes that literally create land, and they've been yeah. doing that. That's the windmill thing. Fun history fact for everybody. Yeah, and then uh, this guy was pushing me. You know, you have to go climb up, but I had my really nice shoes, you know, with the flat sole, so not, not much grip. So I dropped down from all the way on the top. Was demonstrating how my survey software works and I dropped down and it was about a drop of what, 25 meters down and I had to climb up again and then I called him that I was fed up and I will never do it again but I definitely sold my equipment they they were I think maybe it's from feeling sorrow on that one but what unfortunately I cannot tell I will tell once it shuts off because it's PG one 
All right. So you you got scared, but you got the sale done. Yeah, I got the sale done. That that's 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 a true mark of a salesperson. They'll do whatever it takes. I'll do whatever it takes. Take care of the customer. All right. Well, gents, we're we're rounding a one hour mark, which we shot for today. Yeah. Uh, in Castle Houston, and you again, you can see this wonderful room. Um, I just want to give an opportunity, one last, if there's anything that anybody wants to say before we wrap up, any, any wise words or suggestions or lottery number? Lottery numbers. I think 42, right? That's the yes. ultimate number. The story of life. The story of life. Yeah. All right. Larry? International Towel Day is coming up May 25th. International Towel Day it is. Uh, <laughs> Douglas Adams, for those yeah. who have not read, read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, an important yeah. date, mark your calendars. I know, anything wise? One more thing wise? Yeah, if you don't know where you're going, you have to I was going to say, I love the quote from uh, uh, Jimmy Buffett, you know, the guitarist. He mm -hmm. says, uh, without geography, you're nowhere. But I, I like the absolutist version. So to wrap up this wonderful meeting, guys, I just want to say thank you to everybody in the room. Thank you for the hospitality in the castle. It was great. And uh, I'm going to leave you with a quote uh, from Gerardus Mercator. Gerardus Mercator uh, is not uh, from exactly this area, but just south in Belgium, originally. But he was both Dutch, yeah, I believe. Yeah. So pretty famous guy. So we'll, we'll leave with this quote. And, and again, we appreciate all of the listeners out there. If you have any questions, you can find us on the Geoholics channel, Spotify, Podbean, etc. You can look at our website. Uh, please go ahead, check out, check out Atlas Survey Wizard, do a Google search, do a YouTube search. You can find them on the iOS store. You can find them on the Play Store. Of course, from Bad Elf, if you need something, let us know. Uh, we can get you GPS and um, I'll let the other geoholics guys fill you in, but here we go. We're going to wrap it up with a quote from Mercator. And he says, Since my youth, geography has been for me the primary object of study. When I was engaged in it, having applied the consideration of the natural and geometric sciences, I liked, little by little, not only the description of the earth, but also the structure of the whole machinery of the world, whose numerous elements are not known by anyone today. I'll challenge all you geoholics. Why don't we go out and figure out those numerous elements? Let's go map those things. Let's figure it out. Let's make friends and add value. Thank you, everybody. And we'll talk again next week.